0: Hi, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at the Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning in today to listen or watch uh, one of our messages online. I'm standing inside uh, T2, which is our new building project that we've been working on uh, for about the last six months. We're in the final phases right here. On a normal weekend, we have four services uh, and, and we just don't have space to put people here anymore. But we're excited because God's changing lives not just here in Buckley. God's also changing lives all across the United States and all across the world where people are tuning in to be a part of our church. We want to invite you to be a part of this. It's called the Big Give. And between now and the end of the calendar year, our hope, our prayer is to raise $175,000 to help us continue with this project. If you'd like to be a part of that, we invite you to go to our website at thetabchurch.com where you can participate online. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. Well, time is a swell time. time to go riding in a one-horse sleigh. <laughs> jingle 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 around Well, mix and mingle and... A- Christmas. Yeah, that feels fun to say, doesn't it? If you're new here, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that uh, you've come out to join us on this Christmas morning. Uh, This is our third service of the weekend, and I'm excited about it. Uh, It it just seemed right to have uh, Christmas on Jesus' birthday uh, and to actually have a service on Christmas on Jesus' birthday. Didn't it make sense? I hope so. I mean, obviously, it made sense you're here, but... uh, um, it was, it was pretty exciting yesterday with our two services, we had uh, uh, over 500 people came between the two, which was pretty exciting. So if you're wondering where everyone's at, a lot of them tried to show up early. So you're the late ones. Um, and uh, that's, that's okay, though, because you get extra credit for actually being here first service Christmas morning. So good job. Good job. Well done. Well done. Well done. Actually, who I'd love for you to give a great hand to, I wasn't planning on doing this, but there's just a great team of people that served last night, they're serving this morning, they're helping us get across the street, they got here early, they're making coffee. That's just big time. The people that understand that they're saved to serve and they're putting on the services for, I mean, we think it's a big deal. Ooh, I went to church on Sunday on Christmas. Yeah, they got up and served us. So let's give them a big hand because I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're working right now. Up in the booth, singing, doing the whole deal. So that's pretty awesome. So um, we're in our last uh, series, or our last sermon of this series, the original Christmas album. We're looking at the songs that are recorded in the Gospel of Luke. And I understand that sometimes we have visitors, especially around a holiday. So very briefly, I'll tell you what the first three songs were. They're they're poems. They're inspired by God, but they involve the main characters of the Christmas story. And the very first one that we looked at was Mary's song, or what was called the Magnificat. And Mary, of course, was visited by the angel Gabriel and told that she, although she was a virgin, wasn't even married yet, she's going to be the mother of the Christ child. It was a big deal. And the theme of her song was how God sees the lowly and the humble, how God had looked upon her, right? And, and so we talked about how God sees us. And so this morning, I mean, Mary's song's still in effect. You're here. I don't know what you're going through. I don't, you know, so, you know, the holiday times can be great times, but they can also, for some of us, be sad times. And that's great to know that God sees me. God knows that I'm there. Then we looked at Zechariah. He was also visited by an angel, and he was told that he and his wife were going to have a child. Of course, it wasn't the Christ child, but it was the cousin of Jesus, this guy John, who became known as John the Baptizer, John the Baptist. And and Zechariah talked about how his son was going to be a servant, preparing the way for the servant king Jesus. And so uh, in that message, we talked about how we're saved to serve. Being a Christian isn't, uh, say, a prayer so you get a, you know, get out of hell free card in case, you know, you die at an intersection because it wasn't properly plowed. I don't know, right? Uh, It's more than that. It's we are rescued into something. We are rescued to become a part of the rescue mission. We're saved to serve. And then uh, we looked last week at the angel's song, who the night that Jesus uh, was born Scripture tells us that angels visited shepherds uh, that, that were watching over their flocks, and they were told about the Christ child, that he had come to save us from our sins, God with us. As Brian said, the creator became his creation, walked among us, lived among us. And those angels sang, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so last week, we looked at, in that song, well, how do we please God? And, and that's how it works. When glory goes up, peace comes down. When my life is pointing towards bringing glory to God and not to myself or not to my family or not to my business or my church or whatever, but when everything I do and say, the purpose is to bring glory to God, that's where I find the most peace. And so the last song we look at today is called, Simeon's Benediction. And benediction is a fancy word for blessing. And this guy, Simeon, in Luke chapter 2, I'll very briefly set up the song. We don't know a lot about him, but we know that he was an old guy. We know that he was a righteous guy. You know, when scripture says someone's righteous, we need to pay attention. He's one of the few people that says he's righteous. And it doesn't mean he's perfect. It means he was hungry for God and he was trying to please God and he's trying to obey God. He's a worshiper of God. It also said about Simeon, that the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Christian God, the only God, exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's not three gods, it's one God. It'll give you a headache at night if you try to think about it. But three persons, one essence, and the Holy Spirit was on Simeon, just like I believe the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus' Spirit lives in the hearts and the lives of Christians. Scripture says where two or three or more gathered in my name, I am right there with them. The Spirit is here, and that same Spirit was on Simeon. So we know he's a righteous guy, he's an old guy, and and the Holy Spirit was on him. And in Luke chapter 2, it says that the Holy Spirit had spoken to Simeon and said something very interesting, which as a sidebar, the Holy Spirit speaks. Do you believe that? Some of us do. Some of us aren't quite sure. That's where the Christians get a little weird, right? Because I know on any given Sunday, some of you are here because mom asked you to come or your wife asked you to come or your husband asked you to come or your girlfriend or boyfriend and you're like, I don't know. Is this where they get weird, right? Well, this God, if this God exists eternally in three persons, if his spirit speaks to people, now the Holy Spirit's spoken to me before and I know to many of you. The Holy Spirit had spoken to Simeon And said something really, really bizarre. He'd said to Simeon, Simeon, you will not die until you lay eyes on the Messiah, the Christ that had been long prophesied about. So he's an old man. He's a righteous man. He's hungry after God. He's a man who the Spirit is on him. And the Spirit had told him, you won't die Until you see the Christ. The last thing we know is that the Spirit that day had prompted Simeon to go to the temple. Which sets up the story. Because this song that he sang, it actually takes place 40 days after the birth of Jesus. As was Jewish custom, Mary and Joseph took their newborn baby, 40 days old, to the temple to dedicate him to God. That means basically to give him back to God, symbolically. God, we thank you for the gift of this child. This child is a gift. This is your child. And so they're there with their sacrifices, and Mary and Joseph go to the temple to give Jesus back to God to dedicate him, right? Are we setting it up? We did something like this last week. We dedicated uh, uh, Vera Luce, right? So if you're from a Catholic background or a Lutheran background or an Anglican background, this would be like christening day, right? Big flowing robe. Mom and dad are there. Grandma and grandpa are so excited, except probably not in this case because it's kind of a scandal. She was an unwed single mom. It's weird, right? But they're still there and they got the sacrifices. And what happens, it says in Luke chapter two, is that this Simeon guy goes and he takes the child from his parents. Now it gets weird, right? You don't snatch babies on Christmas day, Or Christening Day, I should say. And he sings a song. It says in uh, verse 28 that he blessed God. And then in 29, these are the words that he spoke inspired by the Spirit. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Interesting. He begins by saying, Lord, now your servant, that's him, I can depart in peace. He speaks of salvation for all peoples, not just Jews, also for Gentiles, not just for that day, but this day of light and of glory. And if you keep reading in Luke chapter 2, it gets even more interesting. Because when it's done, he, he has some words for Mary and Joseph. He wasn't really there to snatch the baby. He just kind of got really, really excited on dedication day, on christening day. And, and he uttered these words. But then there was another lady there, it says. Her name was Anna. And she was a prophetess, right? And the Spirit had told her to go there as well. And when she heard that, she starts speaking and praising God as well. Now the story got really weird. Because on Christening Day, you know, they're just kind of, you know, here we're just here to dedicate the baby, and you know, they're killing everybody in Bethlehem, we're really kind of on our way to Egypt, we gotta go, and all of a sudden, dude Simeon grabs the baby and starts singing, and then, you know, this prophetess, who by the way, she was 84 years old, she was a widow, she'd only been married seven years, her husband died, and then she spent all of her time hanging out at church, it says, she just hung out and prayed and fasted and sang. Okay, she's that weirdo old lady, you remember from church with the tambourine, right? That's just always like, you you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're with me, right? At least in my mind's eye, that's what happened. Weird story. Because, I mean, on the outside, you'd look and say, these two people are straight crazy, right? You don't grab babies on dedication day. And then start a little impromptu celebration where, you know, we're telling everybody this is the Christ child. And it says that everyone was amazed. Everyone was amazed. It was a little bit of a ruckus, as my son Benjamin would say. There's some beautiful things to see in this story, though, is God loves the crazies. Doesn't he? He loves the crazies. And can I tell you something? I've, I've been a, in this town for 14 years. I've worked as a pastor for 14 years. There's something important that you need to know is you're all straight crazy. <laughs> and so am I. Like you'd like to think that you're the normal guy, you're the normal family, you're the normal girl and it's, oh no, she's crazy, no, he's crazy. No, those people, they're the weirdos. The longer I hang out with people, I realize behind all of our lenses is straight crazy. It's just a little bit different brand of crazy. And so Simeon, yeah, he's nuts, but you know what? God spoke to him and through him. Anna, she's nuts, but who cares? God spoke to her and through her, and God comes for the lowly. He comes for those of us, because we're all a little imbalanced, and there's a beautiful message in, in what happened, that it, you know, the church service kind of got off the tracks a little bit. Another beautiful little message that we see here is, is that these people, both Simeon and Anna, they're celebrating a baby. Don't miss this. We know all of the story. That's why we get excited at Christmas. Because we know that this child is going to grow up and this child going to be Jesus and this child's going to show us how to love and this child going to perform miracles. This child's going to turn water into wine. He's going to walk on water. He's going to feed the 5,000. Lame people are going to walk. Blind people are going to see. And then he's going to die on a cross willingly and defeat Satan's sin and death by coming back from the grave so we can worship him and follow him. So we get excited about that. They didn't know all those details yet. All they had was the Spirit speaking, and they responded in faith. Think about that. God rewards those who hear his voice and don't go, oh, it's probably just indigestion. (laughs) I heard his voice, "Uh, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. I heard his voice, but you know what? I'd have to change my lifestyle. Simeon heard the Spirit speak, and he showed up at the temple that day. And he got to hold God in his hands. And Anna heard the spirit of God, 84-year-old widow. Everyone thinks she's a little bit off. But that day, she got, if there was a tambourine, she got to play her tambourine for Jesus. And that's more biblical than your little drummer boy. <laughs> Which, by the way, if he showed up at the manger and I'm Mary, I'm like, hey, really, pal? to you quit with the drumming? If you've ever had a newborn, we're trying to get this child to sleep here. You and your drum, pa pa pum pum <laughs> So let's look at the song in the time that we have left. Sorry, I was up very early today playing Santa. So <laughs> got to focus here. Sorry if I burst any little children's bubbles. That's kind of slipped out. But uh, Pastor John, Santa? Yes, he is. <laughs> so we got to look at this story, or look at, look at the lyrics. The very first thing he says is kind of striking. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart. And that's exactly what you think he's saying. He's saying, thank you, God, now I can die. He's excited. He's like, now I can die. Why would you say, wow, I'm excited. Now I get to die. See, most of us, I think all of us, we do whatever we can to make sure that we don't die. We have a fear of dying. And some of this fear, I mean, it's natural. There's a fear of death because what comes after? We don't know what comes after. We've never been there. It's not like you can go there and come back normally, right? And so we do whatever we can do to hang on to life. We spend tons of money to try to make ourselves as healthy as we can be to delay life as long as possible. Sorry, to delay death as long as possible. You're welcome. And uh, uh, there's a fear, and some of our fear of death has to do with there's this intrinsic kind of built-in knowledge that I might stand before God. And if I stand before God, he's going to know everything. And the irony of that is, he knows everything now. It's not like it's a secret what you did or are doing or what happened to you or so forth, right? So we have this fear, but this guy Simeon, he's not afraid. In fact, Simeon's excited he says, now I get to die. At least for me, as I was looking at this, I, I see some hints throughout his song, because he speaks of salvation and revelation and light and glory. I think the reason he was excited, because the last piece of life's puzzle was kind of fit in for him you ever put a puzzle together you know you want to be the guy with the last piece are you that guy that hides a piece and then everyone's like where's the last piece and you're like oh look at that right I hate that guy can't stand that person I've been that person it's not good <laughs> but for Simeon I think he realized this is the last piece of the puzzle And the puzzle that I'm talking about is every life, we're going to go philosophical here for a minute, but it's Christmas. And to me, this is important stuff. This is a gift. There's four questions that every human being has to answer. You got to answer these four questions. And and all of life's questions can be reduced to these four categories. Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Origin. Origin. This question is the where did I come from question. All of us want to know, or at some point at least kind of explore that, where did I come from? We see this because people are obsessed with like Ancestry.com and we're obsessed with, well, my people were Dutch and my people were German and my people were Scandinavian and well, you know, my people were whatever, French and we kind of go through the lines, right? I've discovered something. There's an unbelievable amount of us that are related to Betsy Ross. Have you noticed that? Because <laughs> we're all excited about, like, somebody famous in my past, or, or you know, my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, great he fought in the Revolutionary War. And it's like, yeah, but bro, you hid in Canada during Vietnam, so what's your point, right? <laughs> I'm not trying to make anybody sad here. I'm just, I'm just pointing out we want to be attached to greatness somehow, to our ancestry, right? Well, this question, the origin, where did I come from? On a larger scale, when we talk about that, this is big, right? Was there a creator God that set everything into motion? Scripture teaches us that, that that's an important question. And Scripture teaches us that God spoke everything to existence. It says in the beginning, in the beginning, God spoke, right? Well, if you believe this is a big cosmic accident, it's going to color all the other questions. I'm amazed at how many people think that, well, you know, there was this big cosmic explosion. There really is no creator God. That's just a bunch of hogwash. But all of a sudden, when my loved one dies, now you want to believe in heaven, well, you, you don't get to play that game. The answers all have to fit together. It's called a worldview. So the question of where did I come from? Is, was this a big accident? Was this a big explosion? Was it two molecules that had a car crash in outer space? And out of that came rocks and trees in the NFL? Right? So you have to answer that question. Either everything came from something or everything came from nothing. Second question is meaning. What's it all mean? What's the purpose of life? What's my purpose? Is there meaning in life? And I've got news for you. If there is no God that put everything into existence, then there is no meaning. All you are left with is accident, chance, whatever. I saw a church sign on the interweb this week. And it said, Merry Christmas, Christians. Happy Hanukkah, Jews. Good luck, atheists. (laughs) They're just trying to cover everybody. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but it's like, what do you have, right? Happy holidays, you know? I saw another thing that said, and I actually reposted it. If you say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, you're a communist. (laughs) This is true. I mean, this is what it's about. We're celebrating the Christ child, the most important event. So that's a question you have to settle. Where did I come from? And it'll lead you to the next one. What's it mean? And if there's a God that's personal, and the scripture teaches there's a loving God, a merciful God, a just God, a holy God who put all of this into existence and he created me, that means I have meaning, I have purpose. There's a reason, I gotta figure it out. And scripture teaches that meaning, our meaning, our purpose is to bring him glory, is to serve him. The next question we all have to Settle is morality, the morality question. How am I going to live my life? Am I going to be a good person? Am I going to be a giver? Am I going to be a taker? Am I going to give when it suits me and take when I want to? You know, and there's a lot of people that want to say, well, you know, you do what you want to do. I believe there's a God, but I just do what I want to do. Well, the problem is is if there's a God that put everything into existence and he's the one who gives me meaning, he's the one who's saying that the meaning and the purpose of my life is to bring him glory, then I don't get to live how I want to live. That means I serve a God, I serve a king, and so his opinion matters to me. Not in the sense of, you know, I've got to be a good person to earn his love, that's not what scripture teaches, but we all have to answer that question. What's really ironic is when you get people that don't believe in God or don't believe in any kind of a God at all, they want to argue about morality. They have no framework to argue about morality. If there is no God, I'm going to to speak bluntly right now because it's Christmas Day. If there is no God, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Take what you want. When you want it, only the strong survive. There's no compassion if there's no God. Oh, that's not true. I'm an atheist and I'm very compassionate. You're an idiot. It doesn't match with the worldview. Now, when I say that, there may be compassion in your heart because your origin is a God that wired you that way. The reason we care about the weak, the reason that we care about the young, the reason that we feel tragedy so deep is because we were made for something more. And even if you don't articulate the questions this way, the way we live our lives has to answer origin, meaning, morality. And the reason Simeon got so excited is because the last question was answered, and that question is destiny. Where am I going when I die? And even if you're not thinking about it right now because you're 20 and you're young and dumb and bulletproof I'm going to tell you something 40s are coming bro everything's creaky right things are in the wrong place I got to triple check the mirror and make sure one of them things growing out of your nose you got to take care of that <laughs> And then you start realizing your own mortality oh, Sorry did I gross you out was that was that, was that the line sorry But destiny, and my hope is for all of us, is that we start asking those questions now because it all fits together, and we have to answer the question, where do I go when I die? And you notice how the origin question and the destiny question, they, they kind of frame the whole thing. I'm sorry, but if there's no God that kicked all this off, then all you have left when the lights go out is dirt. It's all you got. Get all you can while you can because this is all there is. But if there's a God, as Simeon believed, because if you notice this, Simeon called him sovereign Lord. He knows where his origin was. He said that the coming of this child would be glory to his people Israel he understood that meaning is about glory and he said this child would be the light of revelation to the Gentiles he understood morality that Jesus would come and say I am the light of the world you want to know how to live your life how to, what your moral compass should be look at Jesus light always cancels out darkness by the way did you notice that Darkness never cancels out light. Jesus said, live this way, love this way. This is the light that invades dark places, that drives the darkness back. The same Jesus would look at his followers and say, you are the light of the world. That's when he encouraged us not to hide it under a basket, but to put it on its stand so everyone in the house could see it. He's answering the questions, and Simeon understood that. And that's why Simeon began the song with Sovereign Lord, now you're letting your servant depart. The last piece of life's puzzle was fit right in, and that is here is my salvation, here is my Savior. Because you can believe that you're from God, and you can believe that you exist to bring glory to God, and you can believe that your moral compass is determined by God, but if you try that for any more than about five minutes, what do we discover? No matter how moral I try to be, I'm not good enough. That even though I understand that meaning is only found in Christ, I still find myself chasing after things that don't matter. All is vanity, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says. That, you know, we start believing that it's about how I look or how much money I have or how successful my kids are. You know, and even in this time of year, I mean, you see so many parents just freaking out, trying to, trying to glory in their kids, right? I love my kids. I've got five of them. I'd take a bullet for any one of them. But I can't glory in my kids. I'm proud of them, and I find myself boasting, you know, when they get it right, but... but if my wife and I, if our glory is in our children and we spend all of our lives carting them around to sports things and getting them in the spelling bee and making sure that they're happy and they find the right person, they're getting married so they can have the American dream with the big house and the white picket fence and then it's all over and when the last wedding's done, guess what? She and I are stuck with each other and we haven't paid attention to each other and now we don't, have to, we don't know how to live together. Some of you have experienced this the empty nest, when it's frightening that you don't have the kids to distract from the fact that you don't even like each other. What do you do then? You've gloried in the wrong thing. All these questions fit together, and the destiny question is the most important one. What happens? Well, Salvation means that if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how good we are, it doesn't matter if we blow it, it doesn't even matter if we believe in a six day creation or do we believe that maybe God might have used some different ways, it doesn't matter. If I believe he kicked everything off, he's going to tie everything out together at the end and if Christ is my savior and that's where my faith and trust is, then I can believe in his grace. His grace. He gave me what I did not deserve. And I think somehow Simeon understood that when he held that baby. And Anna's playing her tambourine. Here's salvation. Here's light. Here's glory. This is my origin. And how weird is that? This is the one who made me. And this is the one someday that I'll be with forever. You know, if you're wondering, wow, this is some real deep stuff for Christmas. How am I going to remember all that? Here's your cheat sheet. That little baby is the answer to all those questions. Where's your origin? Where'd you come from, Jesus? Book of John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. By Him and through Him were all things made. Jesus made everything. So here's the Creator being held by His creation. What's the answer to the origin question? Jesus. What's our meaning? Jesus. What's our moral compass? What's... how do we determine right and wrong? Just look to Jesus. What's our destiny someday? A couple of you are still with me. Jesus, he's our destiny. And and you know, in that word depart, there's something really, really fascinating. I, I usually don't spend a lot of time looking at the Greek and the Hebrew, but spend a little time looking at that word depart in the Greek. And it fails us in English because we think depart in a few moments. You know, when the sermon's done and we sing a couple more songs, we're going to depart this church and it's just like to leave. But that word depart in the original language, don't miss this. This is the word that he used. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart. It implies to escape confinement. To escape a confined space. To get out. And it matches up with this biblical idea That when God created us, he created us for so much more. But in Genesis chapter 3, our first parents invited sin in. And since then, we've all been infected with sin. And so now you exist as a material, physical body, but you also exist as an eternal spirit. We are spiritual people. What separates us from the animals? So you have a spirit. I have a spirit. We all have a spirit. And our spirit is confined. It's like in a jail cell inside our bodies. And so, you know, scientists would like to tell us that, you know, we've heard this, that we don't use all of our brains. Have you heard that before? That we only use a small percentage of our brains? And, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could use all of your brain? You could probably levitate, pick up a car with your head and just steal it. You know, I don't know. Scripture teaches something even more profound. It teaches that we're only kind of firing on a small part of our spirit. And that while we're in this physical body, we're confined. While we're in the flesh, we can't fully interact emotionally. We can't fully interact spiritually with other people or with God. And so when Simeon says, sovereign Lord, now you're letting your servant depart. He's looking forward For that moment when his spirit will leave his body and this body becomes dust and ashes and he'll be with God and for the first time can fully interact with God spiritually and emotionally in a worshipful way in ways that we can't even understand. Did I just go too deep? We know this is true. That's why we all have longings. You know those places in your heart that never seem to quite fully get fulfilled. No matter how many friends you have, no matter how much money you have, no matter how many times you go to church, no matter how much you work on your relationship, that little missing thing, it's because your spirit is made for more. Human beings have a collective longing. It's our spirit longing to be set free. In Matthew 26, Jesus said to his disciples, Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. That's a little hint of what I'm talking about. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said that all of creation groans and longs to be redeemed, to be set free for that moment that God comes back to set everything straight. And our spirits are released from these bodies. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul puts it like this. Starting in verse one, he says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put our heavenly or to put on our heavenly dwelling. Isn't that interesting? Paul refers to our body as a tent. So your spirit lives in this tent that we work so hard to make look beautiful, right, campers? We're all just camping out. We're camping out in our earth suit. But one day, the Spirit will fly. One day, the Spirit will no longer be confined. And if our faith and our trust is in Christ, our spirits will be set free and every longing will finally be fulfilled last night and a little bit today i was asking kids i was asking students i was asking adults hey what's what's the best christmas present you ever got what's the most memorable christmas prize you know that you ever remember what was in your stocking you know and it was interesting i got a lot of different answers but a lot of people struggled a lot of people struggled To come up with something. I I don't remember specific things. I think I got a bike once. I mean, I was remembering growing up in the tropics in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and I got a coonskin cap. (laughs) I was all into Davy Crockett, but that didn't last long. I was just a sweaty head fest, right? (laughs) But I think it was Pastor Brian, he, he, he nailed it. He said, you know what I remember most is the anticipation. The anticipation. Last night... So many kids packed in here sitting on laps. It was palpable. Some of you have experienced that even this morning. It's Christmas morning, but it's the anticipation. It's that longing. Because every year we come back to Christmas and we get excited. It's that anticipation. It's that desire. Now, don't hear me wrong. Earthly pursuits, as long as they're aimed with God's glory at the end, those are good. But don't mistake them for the fulfillment of what God created our spirits to be fulfilled by, which is him as our origin, our meaning, our morality, and our destiny. And when Simeon held that baby, he was saying, I'm ready to die. Because here's my salvation, the last piece. Here's God's grace. Here's the greatest gift. You know what's so interesting? Once you're ready to die, once you're no longer afraid to die, that's when you're ready to live. That's when you're ready to really live. That's when all those other longings and those other questions are most fulfilled. But you don't settle that question because you haven't settled all the other questions. That's why we flounder and we grasp and we groan. Settle the destiny question. Life really comes alive. And isn't that true? It's sometimes when we're staring death in the face at the bed of a loved one or you know, when there's a tragedy or there's a near miss, that's when we hold each other tight. Settle the death question, the destiny question. And life, everything about life suddenly matters more. I think Simeon was excited Because he realized that the answer to all the questions was right there. I hope you're excited as well. We're going to sing some more. The band's going to come. And I just ask you, Christmas morning, would you just bow your head? I believe God speaks the way he spoke to Simeon. He spoke to Anna. He speaks to us. And his spirit's going to speak to each one of us in a different way. I'm not going to try to manage that or tell you what he's saying. But I do want to invite you to respond to his spirit. Maybe it has to do with the origin question or the morality or the meaning question. Maybe, maybe you're living in a way that you know is not pleasing to God. Maybe you're a believer that he created everything and, and you believe in him for your destiny. But you, you know what, the way you live, it doesn't match up. Well, Maybe this is a morning where you, you do some business with God. You make some commitments you've never made. Maybe you believe that a God set everything in motion, but you've never really trusted him for your destiny. This might be a morning where you say, you know what, God, I need you to come into my life. Maybe for you, it's just a decision that, God, I'm going to believe in you to answer and be the answer, just like Simeon with the face of that baby, looking into that face, realizing, you know, I'm going to live in such a way that you're the answer to all these questions, and I'm going to apply it to my life accordingly. What is God saying to you? Christmas morning, 2016. Simeon's song said, here is our king, everybody. Here is our God, everybody. This isn't just a baby that we love. This is love in the flesh. Now I can die. Man of peace. Father God, I pray that we would not run for your spirit, that this would not just be a Christmas morning that entertained us, but it would be a Christmas morning that's encouraged us, transformed us, challenged us, maybe even changed the trajectory of how we're gonna live. All that's for your glory, God, but also for our joy. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you that here is our King, and not just 2,000 years ago, he's here right now by his Spirit that we can sense the answer to the longing of our souls. We worship you for that.